know that in Napier, I mean, I didn't go to the game. I didn't go anywhere near it. Uh, we we had already made a stance about things. Uh, and when I say we, there were different ways that we did it. Being a teacher at um, Hastings Boys High, uh, in those times, you know, all the teachers were rugby coaches as well. And we had a meeting at the beginning of the year where it was really put to staff, you know, who were who were who was going to make themselves available for coaching because you just did it as part of your job. Uh, so one of the things I did, I withdrew my services from rugby coaching. I still played myself for a club, uh, Tamatia. Did people question you when you did that? No, because there were a number of us that did that. I wasn't the only one. And but there was enough. Uh, I suppose, understanding within our colleagues to actually have the meeting and pose the question. Uh, it was enough of an issue. People were conscious that, or conscious of it, that you know, it was something that people could make a choice on. And so that's what happened. And I mean, Hastings Boys High was a you know was probably nine hundred students. Um, so you had a staff. I think there might have been a staff of about 60 or 70 teachers. Um, well, the majority of probably 99% were male. So, And there was a lot of uh, uh, support and, and participation as teaching staff in terms of coaching. You know, almost everyone coached a sports team of, of some code, whether it was rugby, soccer, tennis, hockey, swimming. We were all involved, and, and you know it was a good it was a good school, it was a good boys' school at the time. So, you know that was something that we did, and uh, you know those who decided that they were going to withdraw their services as rugby coaches uh, were able to do that, and that's what I did. Um, I, um, as I said, I still played rugby. I in 1980, I was I played for Hawke's Bay. Uh, that's the Magpies team. Yeah. And um, in 1981, I made myself unavailable. And then I played again in 1982. And what was the feeling towards you then? I, I don't think, uh, you know, I wasn't aware of uh, any sort of ill feeling. Um, um, I'm not sure whether anyone else did that, but um, that was something that I did because, you know, I felt um, at the time that the tour shouldn't have gone ahead. You know, so... And I, I think in, in terms of what you saw in how rugby was organised in New Zealand, you did see that, um, you know, even though they said politics and sport don't mix, where there's people, there's politics. So, and I, I mean, I had been involved. Uh, I was, I'd played representative rugby from 1976. So I'd been a representative player. I started in Manawatu uh, that year, um, Manawatu won the Ramfilly Shield. We became the Ramfilly Shield holders through 1977. I left Teachers College and I left Manawatu. And uh, and I suppose my experiences of rugby were were formed. I mean, we were all formed, you know, when you were growing up and what you aspired to do. I mean, Hawke's Bay was a very strong rugby province. Um, we grew up through the time when Hawke's Bay had the Ramfilly Shield for three years. We were all a part of that, you know, so we were exposed to all of that and the atmosphere it created, what it did for people and the support, you know, in terms of support for rugby and what it meant to people. So, you know, I grew up through all of that. I went to Manawatu. I 
um, became a one or two representative in 1976. I was 20 years old, you know, so... And I was one of, I think I was one of two, there were probably two, three Māori on that side at the time. Myself, Kent Lambert from Wairua, and there was another guy, Laurie Karato. But you see, so rugby union at the time, it's so different to what it is now. You know, the face of the players, the teams. Um, you know, you, there's so many more Polynesian brown faces in New Zealand rugby and professional rugby now. And so... You know, I think around the country, you know, certain teams had more Māori players. Bay of Plenty was one that had more Māori players. Uh, North Auckland was another one. And But when you got into other provinces, there were just one or two who were playing at that level. And um, I suppose, you know, that was something that I was aware of. Uh, you know, also I was a student, you know, so I dressed a little different. Um, <laughs> My hair was a bit longer than what it is now, you know, so you, you tended to, you know, be different. But it didn't it didn't really concern me, you know. Uh, people said what they said, but, you know, in the end, you know, I just let, you know, you were there to play rugby, so, and, and that's what I was there for. So, you know, you, you, I tended to just ignore those things. But um, when I went back to Hawke's Bay, my first year teaching, as I said, and played there, and then, then I went to Auckland and I played for county. So... All the way through, I was playing representative rugby and um, in representative sides um, at a national level. So a lot of the guys who were play who played for the All Blacks in 1981, I played with all those guys. Right. You know, I knew all those guys. Yeah. And so you know, people made their stance based on how they felt about things. So you know, so it was really, I suppose, um, you know, if I had have made certain choices. For instance, if I had stayed in Auckland rather than come back to Hawke's right. Bay, like I could well have been amongst those, mm. you know. And, and, you and know, then so. you would have had to make another yeah, kind of decision. Yeah, that's right. Mm. So, you know, and I, I mean, I, I came in contact. Our coach at Counties was Hiwi Tauroa. Oh, yes. So, you know, Hiwi was the coach. So Hiwi was a different type of person as well. Who then went on to become the, the Race, Race Relations, Relations Conciliator. Yeah. When he finished. He finished in 1979. And um, so, you know. My association with Hiwi parted because he left as coach. But, you know, he was a person who, you know, he was a, he was a principal in a school. Uh, and so he had opinions about those sorts of things as well, race relations, as we see. You know, he went on to be the race relations conciliator. So, you know, you, whilst I was playing rugby, I also, you know, was able to, you know, mix with certain people who, you know, who thought about issues and thought about things, you know. And he, we, as a coach, commanded, you know, respect from his players. And, you know, uh, for instance, you know, an example in, in the county's team at the time is that, you know, players didn't swear in his presence, you know. And that was something that he, he asked for and that he got, you know. And so yet we did a whole lot of other things. That you would sort of think, gee, these are, you know, some of them were silly things, or, you know, Whack. young men yeah. being men, but young men. But it, that was one thing that specifically he requested, you know, and that was the type of person he was. And so being exposed to people who were, I suppose, uh, thought about things and different, you know, in terms of what rugby was perceived to be. And didn't really go along with the status quo. 
Uh, yeah, that's right. And I suppose at counties, counties as a rugby union was a young union. It was only formed in the, you know, the late, I think 1950s may have been. So it was a very young union. So, you know, and it, and it sort of, it saw one of its strengths as being quite progressive in its thinking. Uh, you know, so it may have been one of the, you know, the first unions that used a, you know, a physiotherapist full time with the team, you know, in terms of conditioning and, you know, injury prevention and treatment. Uh, whereas with other, I suppose we, we had, uh, and, and other teams I played, you had a masseur, a rub, rub, rub down guy, and, but, you know, the physiotherapist was someone you visited, you know, if you got injured. So there was a lot of progressive thinking happening at counties when I was there. Um, you know, when I returned to Hawke's Bay, uh, I returned largely because I had difficulty getting a teaching job in Auckland. And the other thing is that I preferred a smaller place, you know, than Auckland. But you fuck up up into Hawke's Bay too, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I grew up in Waipukuro, mm. grew up in central Hawke's Bay. Uh, that's where my mother's from, my dad's from uh, Manutuke, but he was in uh, Hawke's Bay as well. So, yeah, I'm from Hawke's Bay. And so that's where I grew up. That's where, uh, you know, your your opinions and ideas were formed about rugby. Uh, you know, I was an avid, keen rugby player, rugby follower. And uh, but you know, as as you came through, I think exposure to things in terms of whether it was at uh, teachers' college or education and how you thought about things and what you saw happening uh, just made you think about, and it helped form your opinions. So. Yeah, so I mean, for me in 1981, that was something that I was conscious of, and so I was. So, what exactly is it that you were conscious of? Well, I was conscious of apartheid. Uh, I was conscious that uh, the a Springbok tour uh, was really still supporting that system, that political system in South Africa. Um, I was also a re- you know, I read. You know, so I, w- I kept myself up to date with certain things. Um, you know, the the system of apartheid where you had a system where of honorary whites, you know, where people were made honorary whites. And uh, where in 1970, you know, where it was the first tour where Māori, Māori. were included, were allowed to be included in the side. So all of those issues. And, and they the went fact, as honorary and, whites. And they were given the honorary white status. So... You know, those sorts of things. I was well aware of that and the system. And also because I was, you know, a teacher and uh, you were part of a union as well, uh, PBTA, you know, you were aware of those things. Those things were being discussed. So, And um, you're also aware of um, what was happening for Māori in New Zealand and, and in terms of uh, what Māori were trying to achieve at the time. Uh, a lot different to today, but certainly, you know, there was uh, there was protest, you know, at Waitangi for the Treaty of Waitangi. There was protest uh, in terms of uh, the status of Māori language in, in teaching and in, in schools. So, you know, you were aware of the issues in terms of what was happening for Māori here in uh, New Zealand and then how that paralleled I suppose, with what was happening around the world and where you had a South Africa, the system of apartheid, you know, you know, certainly in terms of separation of race based on race. You know, so 
and I think you know, whilst I was, uh, I think uh, in 1965 when the Springboks toured New Zealand, I remember I kept a scrapbook about all the games <laughs> I followed. It I could tell you the scores and all the tests uh, and things like that. Now, I still know I could tell you bits and pieces about how New Zealand lost or won. And so, you know, I was, uh, what, I was nine years old. And then by the time I was, you yeah, know. Yeah, it was very and, much yeah. a different story, yeah. wasn't it? Mm. So you, as you knew more and you come to know more, you know, certain things uh, helped you form your, your opinion and then make a stand. So, yeah, so that's. How did your whanau react? I don't think, um, I didn't have any, uh, you know, sort of vicious uh, opposition to what I was doing. I, I suppose, you know. They, you know, we were all sort of someone. We all had our own opinions about things. We weren't um, so, uh, I suppose, uh, vicious in terms of, you know, our our thoughts towards each other. In my family, in particular, you know, I I think um, uh, we're sort of we regard ourselves as enlightened thinkers, and you know, uh, you know, two of my brothers were teachers. Um, and so, you know, the, we well, what I can say is that our exposure to issues, you know, we were aware of them and, and we had our own opinions about them. And certainly... Gee, that's um, neat, eh? Because mm, back then that, was, mm, that would have been quite yeah, revolutionary yeah, in a way. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, and I was, I suppose I was conscious of my position as a rugby player mm. and what I was, was doing. And, um, and I suppose with, with the club at Tamatia, I mean, you know, again, the, the club represented to me, you know, because it was a club that hadn't done well and was seen, you know, as a, well, I don't know what you call a whipping boy or, yeah. you know, Port for Tomatia. the local club rugby. So for me, you know, the the opportunity to play in a team like that, which was basically based at a marae, had a Māori kaupapa, as I saw it at the time, about Fano and... You know, and it was really an opportunity to be involved in playing with with a Māori club because I'd seen the other side of rugby. You know, because I'd already by then I'd played at the highest levels. Mm. So for me, this is getting back down to grassroots. And 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 the things that actually meant more to me as a rugby player and as Māori were actually what I saw in a club like Tamatia. Are you still playing rugby now, Brian? Oh, we bit, uh, <laughs> we bit uh, past that now. If, if I'm playing, it's only playing with my mōgobuna, uh, or else um, uh, yeah, I just watch rugby and um, do other things. You know, I've been part of a comments commentary team, you know, where we had the privilege of uh, being part of the commentary team for Māori Television for the World Cup. So been doing things like that, but I'm I'm still very much a keen follower and you know of rugby. Yeah. How much of that time in 1981 shaped you as a person? I yeah I think um, the experience and and seeing what unfolded during that tour for me it, it it you know I suppose it convinced me that I'd made the right decision. Uh, you know to to be involved in something like that I just thought it you know, it was really quite, uh, would have been quite stressful for players. And, um, you know, to actually be playing in an environment where there was so much division division in New Zealand society. Um, you know, and I, I guess you had to be thick-skinned and hard-nosed, as some of them were anyway, in order to be able to, you know, keep 
playing within that within that environment at the time. You know, there there were some things that I saw that were memorable. You know, and then still stick with me. I mean, the New Zealand Maori game that was happened to be played in Hawke's Bay and Napier that year. Uh, you know, there were things like I remember, you know, Billy Bush. Hey, was in the side. Uh, Billy was playing, and his father was in the protest. Uh, Percy was in the protest. So, you know, there were examples of that. That actually, you know, you could see that within families and the discussions, you know, that that people had. You know, I had people tell me at the club that, you know, they still supported the All Blacks, but they respected, you know, what I what I had said about things. Yeah, it's good, yeah. eh? And I, I suppose, you know, the opportunity was for me. I didn't. I didn't shirk away from the discussion, you know, because I thought it was a discussion that, you know, we just needed to talk about, like we talk about other issues, you know, because, you know, um, I suppose it was a lot easier in, the, in a context of a Tamatea club because there were so many other things, like I say, issues for Māori that were actually, you know, when you, they were part of the same continuum, you know. It's just a little bit further along, about, you know, three or four steps removed, you know, so some of the issues that Māori were dealing with and, you know, those Māori were a member of, of Tamatea, you know, were, as I say, they were really part of that same continuum, you know. So I, my opinion about race relations, I wasn't alone on that, you know, in terms of Tamatea. My stance about the tour, well, that was my stance, you know, that I made, you know. Yeah, that was my judgment. So currently I'm the Māori language uh, publishing manager at Huia. Uh, That's who your publishers here in Wellington. Uh, And I've been there for 12 years. So, um, and so the things that we do, we we publish uh, educational materials for on behalf of the Ministry of Education, and those education materials are in Māori, and so they go to Kura Kapapa Māori, Fari Kura, Kohangaru, and uh, so one of the things that we have looked at where we are in uh, 2013 now. The development of, I suppose, a parallel education pathway for Māori, and that's a Māori medium pathway where it is possible now for a child to be educated entirely in the medium of Māori, from from early childhood right through to tertiary if that's what they want. And so um, one of the things that we became conscious of is that our that a lot of, um, I suppose, Māori, young Māori growing up today are not aware of recent history. Mm. Uh, so you're doing like a resource catch-up, right? Yeah, mm. in terms of covering recent history. So alongside the ministry, we're, we're publishing uh, two resources uh, this year. One is the, looking at the 1981 Springbok Tour. The other one is looking at revitalisation of Te Reo Māori. Um, with the with the one on the Springbok tour, it's really looking at the opportunity. You know, I mean, you know, my own children, you know, who were born in the nineteen eighties, they so just are kids. Yeah, the Kohangaro generation, they're just not aware that that happened. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so now they're parents, and so I, I think you have, you know, and it's it's okay because you know life began when they did. Yeah, that's right. And so for the Springbok tour. You know, in terms of, uh, you know, in schools and when I was at school, you studied things about social action. You studied things about race relations. You studied things about cultural difference. So, you know, we have something here 
that was uh, that was something that it, it resonated around the world. You know, the nineteen eighty one Springbok tour. So we're looking at it from a point of view. Okay, here's something that happened in this country. It was something where which um, really uh, motivated uh, huge sections of our society to social action. And um, I would say, you know, well, you see today our political leaders, a lot of our community leaders, a lot of our uh, tribal leaders were part of that social action. And uh, probably, you know, some cut their teeth uh, in the context of the Springbok Tour. So it is significant and in terms of being able to look back and look at what happened, because we have really good images, uh, we're um, a, a core part of the resource that we're doing is Merata Meta's uh, film, Patu, because, uh, you know, when young people watch it today, you know, it's, it's, it's provocative enough to provoke a response. And because in the film it... She documents how the violence escalates yeah, yes. as the games travel yeah, around the yeah, country. So you right. become quite shocked yeah, by it. That's right. Mm. So you know, and it's aptly named Patu. So, so that's our that's the centre of our resource package. You know, and so we we provide a resource for students, for teachers, uh, and uh, and we're also looking at doing some video interviews with people uh, to try and look at getting you know, both sides of the issue so that students today can look at it and really look at how they form their own opinions. So this will become part of the curriculum? Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely part of the curriculum. So it's uh, the learning area that it associates both with the tikanga iwi, which at uh, the senior level, it's a senior secondary resource, uh, at senior level, social issues, social action, you know, change through protest, uh, they are very much um, strong themes through there. So it, it, it aligns to that. And certainly because it happened here, it's really a part of uh, our history. And, um, you know, we're conscious that uh, today's generation, recent history is uh, almost ancient history or non-history. So, you know, we're aware that it's while it's history, we, we, we've coined the phrase, it's our story. <laughs> so, you know. Or your story, you know. So, you know, we, we see it as something that uh, it's an exciting opportunity, but also one that we think can provide, you know, students with, you know, the means for looking at something like, you know, large, so significant social issues. Kotaku ingoa ko Brian Morris. Kotaku iwi, aku iwi, ki te taho taku koka ko Ngāti Kaugunu. Uh, Kitao Taku Matua, Kurunga Fakata.